Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Welcome to Renaissance. Um, My name is Jeff, and I am one of the many leaders here at the church. I'm so glad that you've come. Um, Spend time with us here in the room. Maybe you're watching online at home. We're glad that you're a part of what we're doing here. Uh, I have something that I've been working through probably for the past week or two, and it's a privilege of mine to get to share that with you. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was studying for my message last week, reading something out of Luke chapter 8. and I didn't get to share it last week. It just sort of stuck in the, the, the sticky part of your brain. You ever have something just stick inside that you can't shake it? It's usually a really bad lyric from the 90s or something, right? You just can't seem to shake it, right? No diggity, no dig. <laughs> You're welcome. Like, take that home with you. I like the way you work it. All right, anyway, so. <laughs> there you go. So anyways, but this thing from Luke chapter 8 got stuck in my, my, um, my brain. And I thought I would spend some time in it through meditation, prayer. I'm not trying to oversell this. But I think God has something for us to hear today. I really do. I mean, I think he does every week. But this week in particular, a couple people have come to mind in my prayer. Um, uh, I'm glad they're here. And I, I pray that God really speaks to you in a way that will be helpful. Um, my desire most weeks when I'm studying and or teaching here is that we would gain some knowledge, some information that we've either never had before or maybe had at some point and have lost it through all of the busyness of life and it's sort of review for us. So there's maybe two groups of people here. There's people here who might hear something new for the first time. Are you tracking with me? And there's people here who might be hearing something that's a a review. And I don't know which one you are, but I do believe that God would say something to us. So I'm going to spend the bulk of my time in Luke chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 8. And I'm going to go through verses 40 to 56. But before I go there, I want to read just a real quick couple verses out of uh, James chapter 1, which I find interesting that, that Joe would pull James chapter 1 as well. Um, I want to read something that the brother of Jesus said to some Christians uh, who are being persecuted. So this is sort of Jesus has been um, murdered on a cross, buried in the grave, uh, raised from the dead, ascended back to heaven, and he sent his disciples and apostles to proclaim the gospel, the truth of who he is. And all of a sudden, now persecution is, is raging against not just Jesus now, but against the church. And so James says these encouraging words to Christians as they're facing persecution, um, difficulties, hardships in their lives. And I want you to read with me here, um, James chapter 1, starting here in verse 2. He says, I want you to count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces a steadfastness. And this steadfastness, when it has its full effect, that you may become perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What I want to point to today is this issue of 
uh, faith in our lives, a belief in our lives, belief in the things of God and who Jesus is, etc., and how oftentimes we, we come across or, or encounter a crisis of that sort of faith. There's something will happen, um, maybe as Joe was alluding to earlier, that God is good or he's not. Like my circumstance is dictating who God is now, or God's dictating who he always is, and your circumstance just is like a blip in your like, life for a moment, and it won't last forever. You know what I'm talking about. So there's, there's like a moment when our faith or our belief is tested, and, and James would say, what a wonderful opportunity for you. And we don't hear that often in the church. Usually we think if, if things aren't going well for us in our Christian faith, we're facing persecution or difficulties, we somehow believe we're doing it wrong. Right? And that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. You can ask any of the disciples, right? They all endured hardships and difficulties. And James would, would lean into it even more and say, and when you do, consider it a joyful occasion. Why? Because your, your faith is going to be tested. My um, oldest daughter, I, I didn't intend to bring this up about her, but um, she's amazing. If you don't know her, she's 19. She's going to college. She's super smart, beautiful. Um, and she's recently taken um, up going to the gym like five days a week. Right? She's already super healthy and skinny and the whole deal, but she's lifting weights, right? And she, come, she came home the other day and she says, Dad, I measured my biceps. I'm like, wow, <laughs> way to go, Riley. Well done. <laughs> um, it just it made me think when I read this, it made me think that, that um, our faith is much like a, a muscle for us sometimes. That's where I'm going with this. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, right? You see what I'm trying to say? So like if we want to make our spiritual bodies stronger, we'll, we'll exercise them. We'll test them. Can I lift this heavy thing or not? And you test it and test it in reps of 10s and 12s and do it again. And, and the same could be true maybe for our spiritual muscles, our faith. So we can stand before God when a crisis happens in our life. And I don't need to know what your crisis is. I don't need to know what the challenges are, the difficulties are. But know this, God is working something out in you. And your faith can be proved. Oh, your faith can be tested. Your faith can be strengthened. Now, just by a show of hands, this isn't an official poll, but who would want their faith to be strengthened in here today? Right, 80% of you are liars, yes. <laughs> the answer is yes, of course, of course. And here's the problem. Is that the world around us is continually talking to us about who God is and who we are as people. And God is telling us who he is, who his son is through the scriptures. And so we have two voices, capital V voices, that are speaking to us at all times. There's two groups of people. There are people who will tell us what, what your life should look like, telling us what you should do in this situation, telling us how they would respond if it was you know, happening to them, right? The others are telling us what to believe, right? Or there's God and his son Jesus who is telling us what we should think and believe. And so when we have these moments of crises or trials or testings or whatever, we're going to wrestle with these two groups of people. We're going to wrestle with these two voices, so to speak. And our, our question that we have to answer is, who are we going to believe? Are we going to believe the others, or are we going to believe Jesus? That's where we're headed today. So I want to um, read out of uh, Luke chapter 8, as I mentioned. I've got just two sticky notes to work through, and then we're done. So it'll be real easy. Um, I'll start here in verse 40, read all through 56, and then we'll have a few uh, moments here. Starting here, verse 40. Now, when Jesus had re uh, returned, the crowd welcomed him. And for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was the ruler of the synagogue. 
And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored Jesus to come to his house. And why is that? Well, Luke tells us. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. This is a crisis. Yes? Yes. As Jesus went, the people pressed in around him. Verse 43. And then there was a woman, a woman who had a a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. So she came up behind Jesus, and she touched the fringe of his garment, or the hem of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And when everyone denied it, Peter, right, the leader of the disciples here, said, Master, the crowds are all around you and pressing in on you. Basically saying, everyone's touching you, bro. (laughs) Calm down. But Jesus said, no, no, someone touched me, for I've perceived that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden any longer, she came trembling and falling down. Before Jesus, she declared in the presence of all the people why she touched Jesus and then how she had been immediately healed. And so Jesus then said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Jairus, I'm sorry to say this to you, but your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, hearing this, answered the man, said, no, no, don't fear, only believe and she will be well. Now, when Jesus came to the house, he allowed no one to enter into the house with him except for Peter and James and John, and then, of course, the father, Jairus, and the mother of the child. And they were all weeping and mourning for her, but Jesus said to them, don't weep, for she is not dead, but she's just sleeping. And they laughed at him. (laughs) So anyways, uh, Jesus knew that she was uh, not dead. Anyways, verse 54, but taking the child by the hand, he said, child, arise. And the girl's spirit returned to her. She got up at once, and Jesus directed that something should be given to her so she could eat. Verse 56, the understatement in all of Scripture, and their parents were amazed. (laughs) You think? Yes. They were amazed. And then Jesus said, don't tell anybody about all this, right? Which is always so confusing anyways. Here's the deal. Jesus like, just keep it quiet for a moment, right? Because then people are going to be all around me all the time, right? There's a moment when he will raise someone from the dead. His name is Lazarus. And if you don't remember that story, after he raised Lazarus from the dead, it was in that moment that the religious leaders decided to kill him, to kill Jesus. So Jesus is like, I still got a few more things to do, so let's keep this on the DL, right? So anyways, this is our story. There's a few things I want to work through. Two people here that we see. We see a man named Jairus and a woman who goes unnamed. And and, and I think they're parts of two groups of people, right? And and the whole premise in this is who are we going to listen to in our lives? Are we going to listen to the other people? Or are we going to listen to Jesus? Are we going to believe in others? Or are we going to believe in Jesus? So I'm going to pray for you. Okay, so if you just bow your heads, I'm going to pray for you. And at the end of my prayer, if you want to agree with me, you can do that, that Christian-y thing. We just say amen, right? So you don't have to like raise your hand or nothing. But if, you, if, if what I say resonates with you, you can just say amen. So here, let's go. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you because we need you. We come before you humbly, knowing that we don't deserve your mercy and your kindness, but you give it to us anyways. We know that your affections towards us never change, as Pastor Joe has already said. Even when we do bad things, you're still good to us. So God, I pray that today would change me. Today, my mind would be informed of who you are and what you have for my life. I just pray, God, that this morning not be wasted and that you would see me. Because, Lord, I really could be, I really need to be seen by you. So, Lord, I just thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Well done, everyone. I want to just start by pointing out um, a juxtaposition. By juxtaposition, I just mean this. There are are two things standing um, close in proximity to one another, but they're contrasting each other. And to, to do that, I need to point to what Luke is trying to say here in the very first verse of this passage. Verse 40, it says that Jesus was returning. He's returning back to Capernaum, kind of his home base, if you will, from across the Sea of Galilee. We know that from what we read last week, and you can go back and do this as a review. But just know this, as Jesus is returning, there's a crowd of people who have come out to welcome him, And they were all waiting for him. So immediately we see two different groups of people. From last week we knew that when he was healing the demoniac from his demons, the people from the countryside and the city, they came near to Jesus and they said, be gone with you. They wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Do you see those people? Right? That's the couple verses before this. Read in verse 37 or something. Right? But in verse 40, now Jesus is coming back to Capernaum and now all the people are crowded together to welcome him. Luke is showing us two groups. Groups of people, some want nothing to do with them, and the others want him. And the word welcome is more than just like, hey, come on in for a glass of tea. It means something else. It means this, they're accepting Jesus now. Jesus is no longer just the sideshow, right? The, the spectacle to be watched like David Blaine on the street musician, like a circus act, if you will. But they're accepting Jesus Christ as an authority figure teaching the truth about God and his kingdom. And all the miracles he's doing is because God is witnessing to the truth that Jesus has. And the people are welcoming, hear me, they're accepting his words. There's another group of people who don't. We're not talking about those right now. We're talking about the people who welcome him. And so the crowds have come out to meet Jesus as he gets off the boat. In verse 41, it says, immediately there was a, a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and he comes out and he falls at Jesus' feet. Do do not misunderstand that he tripped, right, and fell down. Whoopsie. No, this is an intention on Jairus' part. He bent his knee and bowed down before Jesus and laid his head down in front of Jesus. This is interesting because Luke tells us who Jairus is. He's the ruler of a synagogue. This is a man of well respect in the community. People would know who he is. Luke mentions his name because people know him. He's one of the elites in the town. In fact, it could be argued that as he's making his way through the crowd, people would probably get out of his way so he could get through easily. But he leaves all of that and he comes down and he bows before Jesus. Is he bowing before Jesus in humility? Is he humbling himself before Jesus, the teacher? Or is he doing so out of desperation? I think he's doing so out of desperation. As I've already read the story, we know that his only child, the 12-year-old daughter, is dying. And that's what that means. His only daughter, who's 12 years old, is dying. So he comes to Jesus, and he lays down. I don't think out of humility, and I'll get to that in a moment. I think he does so because he's desperate for help. Hear me when I say this. There are many times in our own lives when we are desperate for the help of Jesus, and, and we run to him too. Maybe it's been a long time since you've run to him. But know this, Jesus will accept people when they run to him. He had an only daughter who was 12, as I mentioned. And so Jesus says, okay, fine, I'll go to your house with you. And that's what he says here in verse 41 or 42. He had an only daughter, yep, 12 years, and Jesus went with him. 
And the people, it says, pressed around him. Just so you know, the word pressed there is the same type of word we use when we want to make olive oil and we press olives. So I want you to get a picture of how tight the crowd is, that they're pressing against Jesus, squeezing up against Jesus. I wonder what's going to happen to the young girl, right? This is the tension that Luke leaves in the story. But all of a sudden, we're interrupted with another storyline. A plot changes. Verse 43, a woman who comes up to Jesus now, here in verse 43, a woman who has a discharge of blood for 12 years. Luke doesn't mention this woman's name. She's invisible, if you will. She's a nobody. She's like Joe. Let's just say that. I'm sorry, sorry. If you're visiting with us, Joe likes this. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, Joe and I are friends. This is a common thing here. That did sound like I was being a jerk. I'm, I'm not a jerk. Are we okay, Joe? Thank you. Hey. People looked at me mean, Joe. You have more fans than I do. Anyways, so... The woman is un unnamed, right? Uh, she has an issue, and I love how Luke says she has an issue of blood, <coughs> excuse me, for 12 years. 12 years, she's been having this, is this issue of blood. It's a, it's a menstrual issue, not to be too graphic, but there's something wrong with her. Um, and, and Jairus' daughter is also 12 years old. Have you guys picked up on that? There's a little, there's something going on there. So imagine this 12 years ago, Jairus and his wife are welcoming home a brand new baby girl with the hopes for her future, right? Oh, she's gonna grow up to do this one day. Can't wait to plan her marriage one day. Can't wait to do all of this, who knows? And somewhere across town, a woman is starting her cycle and it never stops for 12 years. As this young girl is growing up and going to uh, school, they didn't go to school, you know what I'm talking about, she's growing up and maturing, this woman is battling the same condition over and over and over again. And there's this tension between these two different situations. This woman has a blood, a discharge for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Now Luke is a physician, we know that to be true, and he's somewhat kind to the physicians here. They tried, so to speak, but didn't work out. If you read Mark's gospel who tells us this story, it says that she went to every physician, spent her entire life savings to them, and they made it worse for her. Sounds like she has just entered into the American healthcare system. <laughs> Should I digress, let me get back to what I'm trying to say here. I don't want to get... Yeah, all right. Anyways, anyways, but, but Luke just tells us that no one could heal her. Think about that. She goes to all of these physicians, and she could not be healed by anyone. Is that true? I'm baiting you. The answer is no. There is one person who could heal her. Who is it? It's Jesus. So here's the tension moment for her. She has to decide, am I going to believe others? Am I going to believe the physicians, all the doctors, and all the people who know things? Or am I going to believe Jesus, who's preaching the kingdom, the kingdom come, and the remission of sins, and, and the, the reconciling of God to his people again? Is she going to believe who, which voice the most? And, and we learn that she believes in Jesus. And it says that she actually makes her way through the crowds, so she comes up behind him, verse 44. She's like sneak level 100 at this point. She's sneaking behind Jesus. Why is this? Because a condition of blood, uh, the Israelite custom and the Jewish law would proclaim her to be unclean. 
ceremonially unclean. She was not to go near a rabbi teacher. She wasn't allowed to touch other people for fear of making them unclean. So she's not even announcing herself coming in. I'm, I'm sick. I'm unclean. Please make way. She just sneaks her way to Jesus and touches him. And as she does so, she's proving her faith. She touches him. He's, she's healed. I'm going quickly now, verse 45. And then Jesus asks this question. Who was it that touched me? Interesting question. Why does Jesus care? No one answers. In fact, everyone denies touching him. She might have been one of those who denied touching him. But Jesus says, no, no, I need to know. Someone touched me. Who was it? And verse 47, and then the woman saw that she could no longer hide. She confessed. So she comes trembling and falling down, right? There's another parallel between in this story between the ruler and now this woman falling down before Jesus. And she declares in the presence of everywhere, of everyone, why she touched him and how she had made, been made whole. I think this is why Jesus is asking the question, who touched me? She was healed. It's not like she's going to, there's no take backs with Jesus, right? <laughs> it's not like if she doesn't answer, right, she's going to lose her healing. That's not the issue. Jesus says, oh, lady, he calls her daughter. And if you don't know this, side note, this is the only time in all of the New Testament that Jesus uses that word daughter to speak of anyone. No one else does he call daughter. He says, daughter, you have to tell your story so people would know. You have to tell your story. All of these people who are thronging around me, who they need to, to hear another voice. They need to hear someone say, Jairus needs to hear what you have to say. Because what comes next in Jairus' story will make your hair gray. Jairus needs to hear what you have to say. Who touched me? So she stands up and declares to everyone, 12 years ago, something happened. I don't think I did anything wrong. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I got sick. I don't, I don't know why, and I've done everything, guys. Know this. <clears throat> if it's sin, I've confessed it. If it's my diet, I've changed it. If it's my lifestyle, I've fixed it. I've done everything. I went to every doctor imaginable, and no one could help me. And I've seen Jesus, and I've heard the stories of Jesus, and I believe that Jesus can help me. So I came to him, and I just touched him, and he healed me, and he fixed me. Jairus, are you paying attention to the story? Ladies and gentlemen, are you paying attention to the story? She had a faith. Jesus calls her out for her faith. For verse 48, daughter, he says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. He, he uses that word well again down here in verse 50. Jesus, hearing this, answered the man, don't fear, only believe, and she will be well, speaking of Jairus' daughter. I just want you to know that word well is the Greek word sozo, which is where we get our word salvation. Everywhere else in the New Testament, basically, that uses that word, they interpret it or translate it as salvation, not being made well. What Luke is wanting us to understand is that Jesus Christ is not just the one who can heal us, but he actually has the power to save us in all things. I'm, I'm racing through the rest of my notes, so I have a lot to say still, so don't go anywhere. 
But if you know this story, Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40, this story arc that Luke had started, started long before this. Jesus is crossing the Sea of Galilee and a storm rages and Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves and the storm calms down. Luke is telling us that Jesus has the power to save us in, in natural circumstances. He has the power over nature. He heals the demoniac, last week's message. He has the power over demons and Satan and all the evil forces in the world. Jesus can save you from everything and every piece of darkness in your life, whether you have attached yourself to it or it has attached itself to you. You can be saved. He can overcome every effect of sin, disease, sickness, sorrow, even death, Jesus Christ can save us from all of those things. This is what Jesus, or Luke is pointing to in this story. Are you with me? Eh. That's a weird church. They clap in the middle of the sermon. I don't think I'm ever going back there again. No, I know. I know. Jesus can save us, and he wants to save us. So I want to go back to the story here, verse 49. So while the woman is speaking, Jairus is sitting there tapping his toes like, can we move this thing along, please? <laughs> we have somewhere to be. My 12-year-old daughter is sick. We don't have time, as my, um, my wife likes to say, we have no time to dilly-dally. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. But it is fun to say. So verse 49, while, while um, Jesus was still speaking with the woman, someone from the ruler's house comes up and with no tact, with no compassion, he comes up to Jairus and says, your daughter's dead. <laughs> She's gone. Stop bothering the teacher. She can't, he can't help you now. Jesus heard this, and he says, no, 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 hang on a second. Don't fear, only believe, and she will be well. I need you to hear me when I say this. And what I'm about to say is my opinion. I have many opinions, okay, and I'll share one with you now. <laughs> um, I do not believe, as some suspect, that Jairus was also a person of faith. That this story tells us the story of two people of faith who go before Jesus and Jesus heals the one, the woman with the blood, and heals the daughter of the other man with faith. I don't think Jairus has any faith in Jesus. In fact, I think what Jesus says to him right now proves that point. It's a piece of it. He says, no, 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 you need to believe. Why would he tell someone who believes they need to believe? <laughs> <laughs> right? So I don't think he believes. Also, if you could go into to Mark's gospel recounting all this stuff, the religious leaders, the rulers of the synagogues, those people don't like Jesus. Jesus' first miracle was performed in the synagogue that Jairus is ruling over in Capernaum as he heals a, a man possessed with a demon. He heals a man with a withered hand in that same synagogue. He does a number of other things, and it's not long before the religious leaders and the elites begin to murmur about Jesus, begin to spread false lies about Jesus, begin to mock Jesus. Isn't he just the carpenter's son, they would say? Mark chapter 6 says, after a miracle, they begin to plot to take Jesus' own life. Jairus is a religious leader. Jairus is opposed to Jesus. So as I said earlier, I do not believe Jairus was going before Jesus humbly. I believe he was going before him desperate. You know how the story ends, though? Jesus heals them both. Isn't it amazing? 
He, he, does, he does the good thing for both of them. The one with the faith who knows Jesus can help, he fine. And the one who's like, whatever, I just need you to do something for me, guy. This one commentator said that Jairus is like the person um, from the parable of the soils. If you know that parable from Jesus, he's a, he's a soil type too. <laughs> You're like, what the heck does this mean? Let me just give it to you. He's the guy who receives the word and wants the blessing from what happens from Jesus, but he has no roots to grow deep with Jesus. He doesn't want anything more from Jesus. He's coming to Jesus because of what Jesus could do for him. That's all he wanted. And he's desperate that God would do something to help his daughter. And Jesus does. Should he? Would you? I wouldn't. Well, depends if I'd eaten lunch or not. That's what it would depend on. Right? That changes my mood more than anything. <laughs> we learn from, from, from God in this story that, that Jesus has compassion and Jesus is merciful and Jesus gives salvation and healing to people those who believe he can and those who don't have anything else to hold on to. Those who know and have faith to believe and those who are like, I'll give this a try. I've given everything else a try too. Jesus will invite you into relationship with him. Even if you're one of those people who's like, I don't know. I tried crystals, right? I tried new agey. I tried carbs, tried sex, tried everything to find joy in my life. And none of those are working for me. So I'll give Jesus a shot. Jesus will meet you there too. Luke is telling us Jesus can save you. He can save you in all kinds of circumstances. And hear me, and he, he doesn't need anything from you to do so. His compassion and his mercy emanates from his goodness. You don't deserve it. Did Jairus deserve it? He only wanted the blessing from Jesus, didn't care about him. In fact, Jairus is quite possibly a, a part of the group that crucifies Jesus, but in a few months. We, we never hear his name again. Do you think if he converted, right, and, became, right, and like did great things for Jesus, we'd hear of him? Probably. He just wanted something from Jesus, and Jesus still gave it to him. How much more will Jesus give to you if you decide to follow him? It's quite possible I'm not explaining this very well. But in all of this, I see two groups of people. There are people who, who believe in Jesus, who have faith to believe, and yet your circumstance in your life is, is causing you to distrust. It's causing you to, to, to question whether Jesus is in fact good still. And this story should, should encourage you that Jesus is good. He's good. If you have faith, he, he's good. And there's another group of people, um, people like uh, I was some 25 years ago before I became a Christian, who tried everything else to find solace, comfort, peace, anything in my life. And in my most desperate days did I cry out to Jesus. And Jesus, in his goodness, did it. He responded for, to me in kindness. He didn't have to. I didn't deserve it, and yet he did. And when I looked at the goodness of who God was and what he did for me, all of a sudden my heart was open to receive him. So for the, there's a group of people in here, I'm convinced that you, you've come to Jesus before um, and he's done some things for you. That he's actually opened your heart to receive more of him, but you've just chosen to walk away from him. Today could be a day where you just reconnect with him. Maybe this story will be a way for you to do that. 
The question you have to ask yourself as I get ready to um, finish up here is, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the people that are close to you, who look at your circumstance and think that you should act a certain way, or are you going to believe Jesus? Are you you going to believe what your circumstance is telling you about who you are as a person? That because your life is difficult, you're actually a terrible person, and that's when God is punishing you. And if anyone ever hear this thing, like when bad things happen, it's like, well, God's punishing people. Raise your hand if you ever heard this. Can I just tell you that's, that's um, uh, it's just too strong of a word. Uh, I can't say BS. All right, so, um, or can I? <laughs> I am the lead pastor here. <laughs> uh, let's use a stronger word than BS. Let's use the word heresy. It's wrong. It's not even right teaching. Because if God was still punishing us for things, when we do bad things, then he punished his son Jesus on the cross for no reason. When Jesus said it is finished, he's a liar. Those are heresy. Those are heretical statements. Your difficult situation is not because you're a bad person. Your difficult situation is possibly because you make wrong choices. It's possibly has nothing to do with you. It's possible. It's just your lot, so to speak. But as James would say, we get an opportunity to flex a muscle called faith and believe. Are you going to lay down and give up and just assume it's never going to change for me? Are you going to hold on to faith and chase after Jesus? Who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to the world and their view of Jesus? Or are you going to follow after the Jesus you know to be true? The Jesus that we learned about in Luke chapter 8. Who's so much better than we could imagine. I, um, I'm out of time. So I want to pray for us one more time. As we get ready to pray, I want you to know that the band is going to come back out. And um, we do that every week here. We have the band come back and do a song or two for a time of reflection, just a time of considering. And and so I, I just pray, Lord, would you come meet us right now? These next four or five, six minutes, would you just come and with your Holy Spirit, help us to respond to you. Help us to see your goodness in our lives. We know those stories of Jairus and the woman with the condition of of blood, Lord. That's not our story, maybe, but we have stories similar. We have real difficulties and challenges, Lord. We want to be people who, who move towards you in faith. And Lord, if we're like Jairus, who actually are just coming to you, right, and we don't have the faith even to believe, would we hear the words of Jesus as he speaks to Jairus, don't fear believe and she will be made well believe and your circumstance can change Jesus you are the change of our circumstance we need you God we ask that we would come before you we'd submit ourselves to you that we would bend bend and bow before you humbly even in desperation we would still humble ourselves before you God we thank you for what you do for us.
We thank you for salvation procured for us through the cross by your work alone. Not our work, but your work. And all we have to do is believe. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you. 